And it's so sad to be able to see that not only Judas, but there are people like Judas, not only in the body of Christ, but outside of the body of Christ, where their only interest is themselves. And they will betray even their own mother when it comes down to heavy pressure over their lives. And here Judas is planning the whole thing already and talking to his enemies. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Today, as we return to Mark's Gospel, we're glad you've joined us. Zeroing in on Christ's last hours with His disciples, Raul will point out the stunning contrast between our Savior's sacrificial heart and the self-focused mindset we all often have. Stay with us for encouragement to avoid the disciples' missteps and entrust your future to Jesus, who willingly died on your behalf. Let's listen in now as Raul begins today's teaching. It's pretty amazing now that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. And what's happening now is that he's uh, been talking to his disciples for a long time now concerning the uh, Passover time and concerning how he was going to go to Jerusalem and when he would go to Jerusalem that he was going to die and he was going to be betrayed. Now, the disciples themselves didn't understand that he was going to die. They thought that they were going to Jerusalem and when Jesus would go to Jerusalem, they would go in and overtake Rome and Jesus would actually throw Rome out and then they would sit on 12 thrones and they would begin the millennium kingdom. But that could not be so wide because Jesus Christ had to die and had to rise again on the third day. He told them when the Son of God goes to Jerusalem, not only is He going to be betrayed by men, but He's going to die and on the third day He's going to rise again and then you're going to see the power of God. But during Passover time, hundreds and thousands of pilgrims would come to Jerusalem. They would come from all over the place. But this year, this would be the year where not a lamb would be offered, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus. Recognizing that men hated Him, recognizing that He had come to give His life for those that would worship Him. That's why in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And when you read the book of Philippians, Paul the Apostle talks about Jesus, how He humbled Himself. In Philippians 2.6 he says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And it talks about Jesus humbling himself. Becoming not only being God, but becoming man God. And then going to the cross and giving his life for men's sins. That's a lot that Jesus Christ did for the world. And now in chapter 14 verse 1. He says, after two days, he's now in chapter 13, we spoke about the coming of the Lord, and he's been talking about things to come. 
And after two days, it was the Passover of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. The whole time, the Sanhedrin, the 72 men in the Sanhedrin, which was actually like the, uh, the court of Jerusalem. They had been looking for ways to entrap Jesus and to catch him in a lie. And then to try him and to kill him. They were very jealous of Jesus. And the reason is because he was not like the religious people. He actually was living out his relationship with the Father. And they hated that when they saw that. And so it's really incredible here that Jesus himself, not only going up to Jerusalem, but here are the Sanhedrin and the scribes seeking how they might entrap him by trickery and then put him to death completely. But we have to remember one thing. That Jesus Christ, not only Jesus Christ, but ourselves are living by an appointed time, which is a divine time of God. Jesus could never die until God the Father already had the time and the place where He would die. And that is for you and I too. Nobody in here knows what day or what month or what year you're going to die. But yet God already has written in His book. He knows exactly when you're going to die. And what kind of death you're going to have. And so it's kind of neat when you think about what God the Father already knows. And now Jesus Christ was not afraid to die. But He knew that He was on a mission. And His mission was a divine mission. Where God the Father knew exactly. Son, this is now the time where you're going to have to yield yourself to me. Because you're going to go to Mount Calvary. And you're going to be crucified. And you're going to die for the sins of the world. And it was hard for Jesus Christ to understand that. He knew it. But imagine how he felt inside knowing that the people that he came to die for, most of those people hated him and wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 2, what it says here. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. They were more concerned for the people than they were concerned for Jesus Christ. And yet today it hasn't really changed much. There are a lot of times people that are more concerned for their needs and the needs of other people than the things of God. They were very religious people. And so they were actually holding back. But really it was God the Father that was holding everything back according to His divine time. Verse 3. And being in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came and having an alabaster flask and very costly oil spinkered. And then she broke the bottle and poured it on his head. Now imagine he shows up at this leopard's house that he had healed. And there was a woman there by the name of Mary. And she had a little kind of a, like a little ancient bottle. And it was filled with oil. And all of a sudden as Jesus was sitting there getting ready to partake of a meal. She comes right up to Jesus, opens the bottle, and begins to pour the oil all over the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what it says in verse 4. But there were some who were indignant among themselves, and it said, why was this fragment of oil wasted? You know who said that? Judas. In the other gospel, he tells us who it was. 
Judas was murmuring and complaining because he was thinking more of the money and the price of the oil, how much it would have been sold in the store than the life of Jesus Christ where she was being poured into the life of Jesus Christ. And that was the heart of Judas already becoming callous, getting ready to deliver the Lord into enemies' hands. He says, for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. He wasn't thinking of the poor. He was thinking of himself. He already had been stealing from the bag of gold that Jesus had allowed him to keep. And they criticized her sharply. And it wasn't the disciples, it was Judas. He began to criticize this woman sharply. But then Jesus said, hey, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Notice he stops him on his tracks. He says, what are you doing? What she's doing is prophetical. And she's going to be well known all over the world for what she has done. Verse 7. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you don't have me always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Notice he's prophesying. Look, she knows what's going on. I am going to die and I am going to be buried. And she's preparing me for death. It's like she already knew in her spirit. And God the Father had sent her to pour this oil over him. Surely I say to you. That wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world. What this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Here we are now 2,000 years and we're still talking about her. Just like the Lord said in his word. And then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest. Notice to betray him. Notice that. Already Judas was working on a betrayal. Thinking of money. I wonder how much they'll give me for the life of Jesus. Verse 11. And when they heard it, they were glad and they promised to give him money. But he saw how he might conveniently betray him. So he was actually scheming and conniving and waiting for a perfect time to betray him. You know how much Judas got paid for betraying the Lord? $20. $20. In our monetary system. $20. Dollars he got for the life of Jesus for betrayal. And yet it was prophesied in the Old Testament that he would betray the Lord Jesus Christ for $20. 30 pieces of silver. And it's so sad to be able to see that not only Judas, but there are people like Judas, not only in the body of Christ, but outside of the body of Christ, where their only interest is themselves. And they will betray even their own mother. When it comes down to heavy pressure over their lives. And here Judas is planning the whole thing already. And talking to his enemies. Look at verse 12 to 26 now. As now they go to the upper room to betrayal. And now on the first day of the unleavened bread. When they killed the Passover lamb. His disciples said unto him. Hey where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover with us? And then he sent out two of his disciples and said unto them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Now, we don't know if Jesus met this person before. Or somehow divinely, he's actually speaking a word of knowledge to the disciples. 
And said, you're going to find such a man. He's carrying a pitcher of water. And ask him if we can use his upper room to have supper tonight. He says, and by the way, I've already arranged everything. Verse 13. And then he sent out the two of his disciples and said unto them, Go into the city, a man will meet you with carrying a pitcher of water, follow him. And wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house. The teacher says, Where is the guest room in which we may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. And so his disciples went out. And they came into the city of Jerusalem. And they found it just as he had said to them. And they prepared for the Passover. And in the evening he came with the twelve. So here now they're entering the city of Jerusalem. And they're going up into the upper room. Now nobody really knows where the upper room is. We've been to the upper room, but that's not the original upper room. Nobody really knows where it's at. But this was the place now where Jesus, before partaking of the cup and the bread... He would make a separation and Judas would be identified as the betrayer. And Judas would have to leave the room before everyone would partake of communion. Judas never ever partook of the bread and the cup. He left the room before that as the betrayer to go betray the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Don't forget, we're here to connect with you with God's truth and equip you to stay in sync with His will. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165. You can also download our app to keep Bible-based resources at your fingertips. Now back to more with Raul Reese and today's lesson. Verse 18. And now as they said and they ate... Jesus said, I surely I say unto you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. Now he begins to unveil the betrayal. Verse 19. And then notice what it says here. In verse 18, as he sat down, he says, Jesus said, surely I say unto you, the one who eats with us will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Lord, is it I? And another one said, is it I, Lord? From Peter, James, John, all the way down, they were all saying, Lord, is it me, is it me, is it me? And finally they came to Judas. And look what it says in verse 20. And then he answered and he said unto them, No, it is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. And that's how I identified him. He says, The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But here is the warning. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he would have never been born. Is that only for Judas? Nope. It's for anyone who betrays the Lord. It's a warning for us to be careful. Now you say, well, what do you mean betraying the Lord? Well... You don't have to just deny the Lord. It's just not, don't live the life. When you don't live the life while you're doing, you're denying the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that we have to be so careful as believers the way we live out our lives in Jesus Christ. Because there are so many people that read the Bible, but they don't take the Bible literally what it says. And whenever there's a warning, whenever there's a woe, I don't read it just once. I read it and reread it because I want to make sure that I understand the warning in my own life, in my own personal life. 
Because we all have the possibility to betray the Lord. Every one of us here. And yet it's so sad to be able to see that Judas walked with him for three and a half years. He fellowshiped with him. He ate with him. He prayed with him. He saw the miracles and the wonders. And yet at the end of the race, he was not one of them. He was against them. Especially against the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, where did Judas go when he died? He went to the hottest place in hell. Too much is given, much more is required. The more knowledge, the more of the gospel that you have in your life, if you die apart from Jesus Christ, there'll be a hotter place for those leaders and those people that had knowledge and rebel willfully against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Verse 22. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. Judas now is gone. He blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, Take ye, this is my body. And then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. So this is Holy Communion now being established. Now the bread itself is actually a piece of bread, but the bread represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now whenever we take a hold of a bread and we break it, we have to remember ourselves that not one bone in the body of Jesus Christ was broken. We break the bread to share with others. Not representing that Christ was broken. Because not one bone in His body was ever broken. When we take that bread and we take that cup, the cup represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ which speaks of our fellowship with the Lord. Now, I would not recommend for anyone that is not a believer, or if you're not going to be walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, but you know that you're going to continue in a life of sin, I would recommend and I would warn, don't eat the bread and don't drink the cup. He said, but why? Because you're condemning yourself. Paul the Apostle will tell you that the reason there are people in the church that are weak, and are constantly sick, and some even die before their time, is because they partake of communion without repentance in their lives. And the judgment of God falls upon them. You have to be very careful when you take the cup and you eat the bread. That's why we always take a time of examination before we partake of the bread and the cup. To recognize, yes, I have missed the mark, But at the same time, I want to have my heart knitted with Jesus Christ. I don't want to be set apart. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And take the bread and drink the cup and say, Hey, I'm taking the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm living a righteous life. And I'm not rebelling and I'm not sinning against God. That would be hypocritical to do that. It would be like like Judas. It's better to say, you know what, I'm not walking with God now. And I would rather not take the cup and the bread. And to be honest with God would be better like that than to partake of the cup and eat the bread and then become a true hypocrite and be condemned. But then again here, here is Jesus not continuing on. And look what he says then again in verse 24. And then he said unto them, This is not my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many. 
As surely I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Man, I'm looking forward to that day. Why? It is going to be one of the biggest communion services you've ever seen in your life. And guess who's going to serve communion? Not the communion board. Jesus. He's going to serve us communion in the kingdom to come. Now when you think of the kingdom of God coming once again. Here is now Jesus going on Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to die. And what does he do? Look at verse 25 again. As surely I say unto you, no longer do I drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In verse 26, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives, right before they left the upper room. They actually sang Psalm 115 through 118. Those are the psalms you want to read tonight later on. But the greatest psalm before they departed, they sang Psalm 136. All of a sudden, this psalm reminds him that God's mercies endure forever. And ever and ever and ever. And then look what happens here in verse 27. And now all the way through verse 52, we have the Jesus in the garden. And then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Can you imagine what it must have been like after Judas betrayed him? They partook of the bread and the cup and they get down to the Kidron Valley and they go down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And when they get there, Jesus begins to tell them that, hey, the rest of you, there were 12 of you. Now there's 11. And I want to let you know that out of the 12, one is gone to betray me. But I want to tell you this. When the 12th person comes, Judas comes down the Kindred Valley with 600 men, torches and swords on their hands. And they come to arrest me. I want to let you know that every one of you, the rest of you are going to betray me. No, they're going to scatter. You're going to be leaving. You're going to run away. You're going to be scared. No one is going to stick by me. Look what he says. Verse 28. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go before you to the Galilee. So he's already given instructions to them what to do. And then Peter, here's good old Peter now. And Peter said unto him, Oh Lord, even if all are made to stumble, yet I, Peter, the great samurai, will not ever do that. Peter was always doing that. It's amazing what people will do in a time of great emotion. When we should shut up, we speak out. Peter should have kept quiet. There was a very reverent moment. He was talking and Jesus knew that these guys were going to run away. But yet Peter stands up in front of everybody. Says, hey you guys, Lord, these guys will do it. But I will not do it. Okay, Peter, we'll see. Verse 30. And then Jesus said unto Peter, Peter... I surely I say to you that today, even this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. And Peter still did not respond to what Jesus was saying. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. 
If you'd like to hear today's lesson again, we'll be happy to send you a complete CD copy for a donation of $5 or more. Just call 800-634-9165 and ask for Rawls teaching from Mark chapter 14. Well, we've seen today that God can accomplish His perfect will using imperfect people like Peter. As you think about how Christ might work through you, we'd like to equip you with Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. This resource will guide you in recognizing spiritual attacks and instruct you in combating Satan's destructive strategies with the Bible's truth. Drawing from his Vietnam War experience and outlining parallels to the spiritual battlefield, Rawl also provides biblical tactics for fighting evil forces of darkness. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. We'll send your copy for $14 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. Or to order by writing us, the mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. One of the chief goals of this ministry is to be a resource center for believers. With that in mind, we'd like to point you to our website, somebodylovesyou.com. You'll find a library of print and audio resources on many topics that point us to a faithful walk with Christ. Whether it's a particular book of the Bible or a topic you'd like to hear more about, Rawls Sermon Vault allows you to explore what God has gifted us with in His Word. Also, you'll be able to listen to our current study, download our mobile app, and link to our online store. It's all there for you at somebodylovesyou.com. This ministry is made possible because of your continued prayers and financial support. Every contribution you make is tax-deductible. Well, thanks again for making us a part of your day today. It's always a joy and privilege to study the Bible with you. We invite you to join us next time for more Bible-based instruction and encouragement. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.